BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. I recorded this episode just even a day before grief hit pretty hard in my own life. It's been a difficult couple weeks. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that. And it was just by the loss of two friends who I wasn't especially close with, but left this incredible impact on my life. And I felt myself feeling so angry and that there was such an amount of unfairness to this entire thing. Both of these women were mothers leaving children and husbands. And I was just mad. I was mad about it. And I thought and reflected so much back on this episode with Nora and the fact that I've been following Nora for so many years. I actually found her through her TED talk. She did this TED talk on grief and this notion that we don't really move on from those we lose. We actually move forward with them. And so we're going to unpack that today and talk about it and talk about the fact that grief isn't just isolated to the experience of losing someone, even though that's sort of the origins of this story that we're talking about today. Uh, but I also just want to give you a little bit of um, encouragement into talking about grief, sharing about grief, if you have the capacity to do so, because I think this episode is one of the more important ones that I've ever done. And I think that Nora's work is some of the most important work I have seen. So please welcome Nora, also known as Nora Borealis on the gram. So let's back up for a second mm-hmm. and kind of give you a chance to sort of give a little bit of background. I was just like reading off of the books you've written. Like I was, you have just done so much with the life experience you've had thus far. And uh, it's not something that you wish upon anybody, but also Mm -hmm. something that comes so full of so many lessons. Even this last week, you shared a video about like the power of a selfie, but let's just back up. Tell me, tell everyone who is listening sort of your story and how you got into talking about this in the first place. Oh God. So everybody get prepared to be bummed out for <laughs> as long as you want to be bummed out about this news. But I had just, I mean, Sarah, literally the most boring, uneventful life yeah. for so long. 
And then I fell in love and I was in my late twenties and I grew up in the Midwest. Okay. Yeah. Southern Canada, I call it. It's Southern Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels that way. It feels that way sometimes. Whenever I meet somebody, Should I'm like, be. you feel Canadian. They're like, no, Minnesota. I'm like, ah, yep, there yep. you go. Yep. 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 Same accent. Mm-hmm. Same, like just same, so similar. So I fell in love. I was 27 years old, which in the Midwest is like, well, rest in peace. <laughs> it's like, thank yeah. God. Thank yeah. God you found somebody. It just <laughs> makes me just not even cringe now. I'm yeah. like, what are you yeah. kidding me? I look back at a 27 year old, a 28 year old, a 30 year old, a 35 year old. And I think, oh my God, you're so young. Yeah. You're so young. Like there's so much more life, but my life was boring. I fell in love. Aaron was wonderful. It was so annoying. It was like, I, you know, like when people who fall in love are like, I wasn't even looking and it's so easy. That's exactly how it was. And we were together for a year when he had a seizure at work and the seizure was brain cancer and the brain cancer was stage four. I didn't know that was the worst kind. I thought there had to at least be 10 stages to yeah. cancer. There's just four. Four so sounds like it's a little four. baby step. We're good. Four sounds fine. I was like, oh, good. Four. That's good. Yeah, we'll take a four. No, no. Four is the worst one. And we got married a month after that. We had a baby a year after that. And our third wedding anniversary was Aaron's funeral. So wow. Aaron died in November, 2014. And he died right after my dad died of a cancer that came on really quickly or slowly, depending on how you look at it. I, it was, he was in Vietnam. He was exposed to a lot of chemicals mm-hmm. during that period. And my dad died a week, uh, not even a week, five days after I lost my second pregnancy, which was oh 11. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I was 11 weeks and six days. And you know, yeah. you always feel like if You're you can right just get there. to 12 weeks, yeah. it's, <laughs> we were right there. So it was a, it was a, just a really, really hard, terrible time in my life. And when you started, you know, our call by saying like, oh my God, you've done so many things. I immediately wanted to say, well, yep, that's a, that's my trauma response, right? Yes. It's like how busy, how busy could I keep myself? Right. How much could I do? And, you know, Aaron's, Aaron's sickness really did change everything. His death blew my life up. Mm. I would say even more than the loss of my father, it was like the loss of Aaron is really what just flattened Mm -hmm. everything, Mm -hmm. flattened everything. I was a single alone mom. I was an alone mom of an almost two-year-old. I could not go to work in the U.S. You know, we don't have, we don't just not have maternity and paternity leave. We also don't really have bereavement leave. You get maybe wow. three to five business days. Come on. Leave. Yeah. So, oh. so I just didn't have, you know, I didn't have it in me to go back to work. What I was feeling at the time and I was unmedicated and I was un, untreated. I'd not seen a single mental health professional, but what I was feeling was, uh, it turns out PTSD mm-hmm. and I was feeling the traumatic loss of, of Aaron and my father and that pregnancy. And it was compounded and it was complicated and I couldn't go to work. I couldn't go to work. Yeah. I really just could not, I couldn't get out of bed except that I had to get out of bed and somehow take care of a child and get mm. him to daycare and then just come back home and just, exist. And I truly felt as though I were the only people in the world, only, I was the only person in the world who was experiencing that until I just had that, God, I'm just doing such a bad job at this, Sarah. I'm so sorry. 
like, you're doing great. I was like, oh. But I just like, I, I, all of this, all of this work comes from that time period in life. Not because I thought like, oh, this is what I should be doing. Mm. It was because I just didn't have anything else to do. I don't mm. know how to explain it other yeah. than that. Like there's nothing else. I cannot go back to a cubicle and write a marketing plan for a yoga class, even though I loved that work. Yeah. And I still, I, and I, and I, I love people who do that work. I yeah. could not physically do it. The only thing I was capable of was sitting in this kind of pain and sitting in other people's pain. Truly. Mm. That was the only thing that I was capable of doing. And that's how podcast. That's how I wrote, you know, my first book I wrote in, in the six months after Aaron died, because oh, all wow. I could do was like sit down and, and type. And I wasn't typing a story. I was just typing thoughts. I was typing notes. I was typing memories. I wanted to sort of capture the chaos of that first few months of grief. Mm. And that's the only thing that made sense to me. It's the only thing I was capable of. Talk to me about the TED talk, because it's funny that I'm like, oh, I, re- I know you from your TED talk, but yeah. I genuinely, I don't remember it in full. I just remember yeah. how it impacted me. I remember that you talked about grief in a way that I hadn't actually heard described before and just like the way that you were choosing to live on. So how long after his death did you do that TED talk? And when did you realize that that was like the thing for this? Look, you've written a bunch of books, but like for the TED talk and for like, that's, I I remember when that first came out and it was sort of viral. Like it was being shared widely it was such a new concept in an approach to grief. So yeah. how, what was the stages of that? And maybe just kind of talk us through like that messaging. I, so the first book came out in 2016 and when the first book came out and I was doing all the press for that book and going on like a little book tour and promoting the book, I was also secretly pregnant mm. with uh, my third pregnancy with a man I had met a year after Aaron died when Mm. I was not looking for a relationship. I was not looking for love. I was truly, I truly felt in my soul, if it never happens for me again, I will, I will be okay. Yeah. I will be okay. I had it. Sort of like the, how I met your mother. Do you remember, have you watched that where she's like, I had it. I don't, I'm never going to get it again. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Cause I like, to the depth of what like is possible. And we lived out those vows and it was so beautiful and I would have been just fine. And Mm -hmm. my friend Mo, who is also a widow, introduced me to this guy who I'm now married to. I call him my current husband. And (laughs) I do that too, but by divorce. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I just think it's so funny too. Yeah, it is funny. (laughs) And, uh, I, I mean, you, I, I think there are so many parallels to, to your experience and my experience. I I think there are more parallels and intersections of people's stories than there are just sort of separate narratives. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I struggled with, and I wonder if this resonates for you or for any of any of the people listening right now, which is I was so hesitant to embrace this kind of happiness. Mm. I felt almost ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. I felt, I, I felt still very- am. I still am. Or maybe, I don't know if you would have this, but that feeling of like the other shoe's going to drop. I carry that a lot because it, it, even though things were bad and got good, it still feels like I have a hard time trusting it. Mm. 
I'm the opposite. I'm just like, oh, okay, this is it now. Like I feel yeah. so attached to, or I feel I, I feel attached to impermanence. If yeah. that makes sense. Like, okay. I'm like, okay. Like the other for as long as it is out there yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll drop. I've got no idea. So all I can do is like enjoy this part right mm. now because it's so temporary. And then later when something happens, that will also be temporary. I won't feel anything forever. So let's feel this right now. However, did I feel that in the moment? No, I felt almost yeah. an immediate sense of shame around yeah. being happy, around yeah. having love again. And I felt very, very defensive over like my grief too, yeah. because it, it, especially in the U S uh, it is, we don't have, we don't have the set time for grief at all. No. Right. Which means like, we, we don't, we don't expect it to take any time. If you're going to be back at work, well, then mm. I guess you're fine. Mm-hmm. And we don't have, we don't have a lot of rituals around it. If you come from a culture that does have grief rituals, that does have like, you know, a period of mourning. Well, I mean, you know, it's going to have to fit into like, you know, the capitalist machine or you get, you you just, I, I didn't feel like other people understood my grief. I didn't feel like I understood my grief Mm. and I was very afraid of people seeing me with Matthew and believing that I was over Aaron, that Aaron didn't matter anymore. That, that part of my life didn't matter, yes. you know? And I think about that with blended families too, mm-hmm. where people are like, oh, look at this, this is so cute. Look, you're all together. And it's like nothing. And it's like, well, those kids have like a different version of their family too. And they had yeah. one, right? Like yeah. we all do. Like there's this, it goes beyond just the grief of death. It, it, it's, it's really the idea and it's not an original idea, but it's something that I'm very, very passionate about, which is like, we are all of our experiences. And that doesn't mean that every single day I wake up and I introduce myself to everybody and I'm like, okay, but just so you know, my first husband died. Sometimes, yeah, like yeah. sometimes like today, today, that was where we, was where we began. That's where we began today. But yeah. like, you know, at any other day we could have started with the fact that I, you know, cut my finger off last night trying to make a salad. Oh, How? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. Okay. Just, oh the, just the finger tip. Okay. Just hopefully it'll regenerate. It's oh fine. my goodness. Like weirdly, I'm not invited to cook a lot, but you know, we, we are like the sum of all of our experiences mm-hmm. and we get to decide like, what is, what is like the headline and what mm-hmm. is just, you know, some, some paragraph copy. There's a lot of mixed metaphors happening here, but the second book that I wrote was called no happy endings and was about, uh, the, that, that dichotomy of like being happy, grieving what you had and, and being grateful for what you have, loving mm. what you had and loving what you have. And, and that sort of wrestling match that I was feeling that I know that the kids were feeling that Matthew was feeling that all of us go through of trying to hold two truths at once. And yes, the Ted talk is an act of passive aggression, which is the main communication style for people of the Midwest, specifically Minnesota, specifically <laughs> Minnesota Catholics, which is how I grew up, which is, you know, instead of just saying directly to people, uh, I, I, I love Aaron and I love Matthew. I'm happy with Matthew and I'm still carrying this hugely deep ache, which I'd met Matthew a year after Aaron died. That mm. is to some people. Okay. Yeah. A year it expired. You're good. Yeah. I didn't have the time or the space or the physical and mental safety to truly grieve Aaron until I had Matthew. Yes. Until I had a person there who was not attached to the version of me that existed before because he didn't mm-hmm. know her, who mm-hmm. could seriously just be present with me mm-hmm. while I like laid on the floor and cried or like mm-hmm. read him poems or all this stuff. And I'm like, 
part of, you know, my love story with Matthew is my, my grieving Aaron. Yeah. And it's all so connected. And I, you know, I didn't go into some people approach a Ted talk and they're like, I know exactly what I, what I want to say. I had started the podcast, terrible. Thanks for asking. And I started working on it in 2015. It came out in 2016. It was a reaction to that same feeling that I'd been yeah. having since the beginning that I didn't know what to do with. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, a reaction to being asked at Aaron's funeral, like, or being told at Aaron's funeral, you're young, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll find love again. Don't worry. You know, or it, being asked at Aaron's funeral, how are you? Like, how you doing? How you doing? Yeah. And I literally stood there like holding his ashes, being like, great, we're good. We're yeah, good. like we're doing fine. Yeah. Like, never been better. Like it's just so bananas. And the terrible thing, thanks for asking is the best name for a podcast for you. It was a possible. rejected book title. It was supposed oh, to be the damn. title of my first book. Damn. And the publisher said it was too negative for a book. Oh, I love it dies. though. It's uh, no, no, no. But I think it's, I th- I think I, I love the duality of being able to sort of chuckle at life's events and chuckle at like where you can find any snippet of humor or like blips of joy within something so tragic. Like what else are you going to do? Right. What else are you going to do? And, you know, Aaron was like that, like that was Aaron had this natural levity constantly. He was buoyant Mm -hmm. as I Mm -hmm. describe him. He just Mm -hmm. was, he was, you know, tied to a lead balloon and was still like, well, yeah, (laughs) well, here we go. You know, when he was put on hospice, he said, well, I don't want to die, but if you're telling me I have to, you know, he just, which is true. You know, he's like, I don't, I don't want to, but okay, well, here we go. And he, you know, I think humor can be, it can be a coping mechanism. It can be a way to deflect and it can be a natural way to communicate the truth of life, which is that it is so, so difficult Mm. and it is so, so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And the switch happens so quickly, like the pendulum will just swipe right back and you have no control over it. And you know, I'd, I'd been making this podcast for a while. The thing that sort of snapped me into this career truly, and this connects back to the, just the absolute chaos of what I was trying to say earlier, which is I, I could not work. I could not do my, my mm. real job. I was trying so hard. I was, you know, cobbling together little copywriting jobs here and there. You know, I, I'd like, you know, five hours a week for like five different clients that I would do it from like 10 PM to 2 AM. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's when I could, that's when I could think during the day. No, 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 no. And I, I, I had gotten so many messages when Aaron died, we wrote his obituary, his obituary went viral and, um, did it? Cause it was, was it funny? Yeah, we wrote it together okay. and, uh, we said that he died of a radioactive spider bite and was known <laughs> for, you know, fighting a nefarious criminal named cancer. Oh my and, goodness. you know, we, we honored his first wife, Gwen Stefani and, <laughs> Like, I didn't know they would publish it and they did. And it just became, it was so Aaron. It was like, this is a little inside joke for the people who loved him. But guess what Aaron's best quality was? Like you would meet him, Nicole, and he'd be like, oh my God, great, you're here. And you would immediately feel like you were a part of the event. You knew what was going on. If he made a joke, he'd be like, well, that's about this. You know, like he'd just bring everyone into it. And yeah, yeah. And that's what the obituary did. And, you know, it was a simpler time in 2014. There was like not a million different, there wasn't a personalized algorithm. We were all on the same internet. And uh, I got so many messages from strangers and that is what I needed. I needed to 
be reminded, to be informed that I was not that special, that like all around the world, like my pain was personal. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Nobody, nobody, nobody grieved Aaron like I did. And it was universal. I was not the only person experiencing pain. It is what connects all of us. And why were all these people messaging me a complete stranger? Right. Because like the people around them couldn't go there or wouldn't, or, or they didn't think they could, right. They weren't giving people like the chance to sort of be there. So the, the podcast had done really well. And that is how Ted found me. Okay. Was through my podcast. Okay. And they were like, I think we think there's something will, here. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not like I went in and I pitched like this. Is, yeah. That's what I wondered. I, I'm like, did you yeah. pitch this or did they come to you? That's really cool. And, and I wrote, I wrote there. Like, so what would it be? And I wrote, I wrote like 15 pages or something. I wrote something insane and sent it to them. And they're like, okay, this is 900 ideas. Like this is not in there. So I think, and I had written, we don't move on from grief. We move forward with it. And they're like, that's the thing. So mm-hmm. focus on that. And so I wrote something and they're like, again, you gave us five ideas in this one, stick with this, stick with it and dig into it. And, you know, it was so helpful for me to be able to do it because I had said variations on that mm. same theme in the podcast, in my books, I had been sort of dancing around that, that same idea and the depth of it and being forced to convey that in 11 minutes. I went to 14 being forced Deserved. to like, yeah. <laughs> like we needed to sort of blacked out in the middle there and being forced to, to, to focus on one idea and, and try to convey it as personally and universally as I could was really challenging and really, really helpful. And I love when people reach out and they say like, well, my husband didn't die, but I went through this thing and it felt the same. Like, yes, exactly. Exactly. I'd wanted so badly to say like, you know, this isn't just about death. And of course it's not. I wrote that when my sister was going through a divorce. I wrote that when, you know, plenty of other people around me were having their lives fall apart in similar and different ways. And I just wanted to say like, it's not your, your, your current grief does not sort of preclude you from future happiness. Your current happiness does not somehow erase your past. It is okay for all of these things to coexist. And I have to still tell myself that. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think I've, I've struggled and I've sort of come to a place of somewhat understanding that like grief isn't always a loss of a person. And that that was like a weird, cause that's the only time I ever heard of it was like grief is like so related to a person. And then when I went through postpartum for like the fourth time, I remember being like clinging to grief because it was like, I'm like, this is my tool of change. Like I am actually grieving who I was in order for me to enter into who I am becoming and that it has, it has to happen. Grief is like a processing tool of change, but for so many parts of grief, like it's similar, but very different as well. Like going through divorce, I, every time I write about it now, I always feel a little funny because I'm like, does this even make sense? Because why am I still processing, discussing, journaling through something, a life event that for many people would see as irrelevant now because I'm happily married, but Mm -hmm. like, it is not that it's life doesn't work like that. And maybe I thought that was that way for a time. I think, I think I thought that way when I was, you know, into weight loss. And I was like, you know, losing weight means you're happy. Moving on from a relationship means you've healed from it. Giving birth that was like happy and amazing means that you never had birth trauma before. Like, no, it's actually 
all very intertwined. And I think what's so fascinating about grief and trauma in general is like, we think that we can skirt it. I remember my therapist, she was like, trauma is not one of those things that you can just like tuck away. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. No, it but follows she met you. Me? Yeah. yeah. But like it follows you. So you have to figure out how are you going to let it follow you? How are you going to process it as you sort of move forward? And, and I think what was so beautiful about the way that you talked about grief and like opened up to that sort of conversation was sort of like the honoring of your husband through living and also using your, like your grief sort of being this like both. And like, I remember reading this book once and I've brought it up several times before where a woman was at a baby shower and she was carrying a terminally ill child. And she was, I think her name was Emily Smith, but it was a long, long, long time ago. This book came out and I read it and she was sitting at a baby shower with a baby that would not make it past birth that she had chosen to carry and that her friend who had a baby that was healthy and she was sitting at a baby shower and nobody knew how to deal with her. They were just like, ah, like you have a baby that's dying and now we're selling a baby that's good and we can't give you a baby shower because sorry, your baby's dying and your baby is going to live. And she said there was like this moment where they all like joined hands and like nobody knew like really what to do. And she was like, people like her, her line was like joy and grief and joy can dance together. And I've always Mm -hmm. thought about that. Like we want everything to be so singular. We want them to like, not, it's like, it's like the divider plates for children's food. We're like, don't touch each other. But the reality is like, sometimes you get cranberry sauce on your turkey and it sucks. I hate cranberry sauce. So I'm sorry for anybody who thinks that's a delicious combo. But like, I, I really wanted to live a life that you just move on from stuff. We just move forward from stuff and none of it comes with us. And I think as I've gotten older and you've had much bigger experiences than I have in this arena, but the reality is, it's like you have what happened and then you have who you've become through it and you have like what it taught you. And like, it's not something you're like, I always say to people, like, I don't wish my past on anybody. I don't wish my experiences on anybody, but I also acknowledge that I am who I am because of them. And that's hard. There's a little bit of guilt to that because you're like, damn. Like, and you, do you ever feel that in the reality of like, you're a big author, you're very well known online, you've gone viral for this, but like your husband had to die in order for this version of you to exist, to help people. Like, it almost is like, he had to die for this happen or just he did die. And so I have, I am doing this. Like that's, it's a weird thing yeah. that I go through a lot where I'm just like, yeah. right. I hate that. Like I've become this like person for people because of trauma. Like I don't, I don't want, I don't want to have that trauma as a part of my story. I also acknowledge it's a big reason I am who I am. A hundred percent. And I think Aaron didn't die for this reason. And I would not be talking to you about mm. this topic had he not died. You wouldn't be talking to me. Yeah. About, our paths might've crossed. We might've yeah. had very similar sort of, I think, I think I would have done something similar. I really yeah. liked my, my life. Yeah. I liked my life. I would have been fine staying in advertising and mm. sort of like, who knows. And also I was always a writer. I always listened to podcasts. I would have done something. I would have done something. It would have been a different topic, probably. Mm. Who knows? But also we'll never know. Like we'll never be able to explore the possibility of who we might have been had XYZ not happened. Mm. But I do think, and I say this all the time, and it is a quote from my mom's friend who became my friend. 
uh, who emailed me after Erin died and she had lost her husband to glioblastoma, which is the kind of brain cancer that Erin had. And she had lost her son. Uh, he had, he had drowned. It was an accident. He is 21. And she emailed me and she wrote, I believe we have a sacred responsibility to live fully in the face of our losses. It's a bitch though. Mm. And I was a hundred percent, like you have this sacred responsibility to live fully. That doesn't mean like you are required to like build an online following and like yeah. write a book or whatever yeah. it is. You have this responsibility to live fully in the face of whatever you've experienced. And wow, it sucks. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Do you find in doing these, in this work and like having these conversations, the fact that like it just inherently you bring up people's grief. Like, so then you're now having to hear and absorb other people's grief, but like also to follow you, you're like a leer fun follow. Like you're, you're very, like, I feel like maybe this is one of those cases of like, both things can be true at once, but like, you're very positive. Like that's my, that's my perception. You're very positive. You're very funny, but yet you surround the topic of grief. And so people are constantly in process of grief with you. How do you, how do you manage that? I don't want to hear how you balance your life and do your dishes and take care of your kids. How do you balance taking on the empathy of grief that other people are pouring onto you because of this work and also finding a way to like, I don't know, like not toxic positive, but be like who you are and be positive and find joy in life. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm naturally, you know, a mentally ill person. <laughs> like, uh, so I'm naturally just like, also like pretty, I like have depression and some yeah. weeks, like, you know, I've, I've had like extremely like long, intense panic attacks where I like tell my husband, like, I just want to like not be alive. I mean, yeah. like, I'm not going to kill myself, yeah, but like, no, could I you know. just like turn me off, find a reset button at the back yeah. of my skull or something, power me down. I'll come back in six to eight weeks. Okay. Mm -hmm, Just something mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I just can't handle, you know, anything. And I also am like a goofy person who likes funny things. And I do, even when I'm at like my absolute lowest, like I do find a lot to laugh at regularly. I've been married to two extremely mentally healthy people who have never experienced, like, they're like, oh no. That sounds horrible. <laughs> I remember trying to explain to Aaron, like how, how like my brain is. And he was like, Oh, like covering his face. Like, no, <laughs> Oh, Oh no. Really? Oh like, my gosh. It's like, yeah. It's like, uh, oh man. That sucks. That, that sucks for yeah, you. That sucks. He's like, that's what you, that, like, those are thoughts you have. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. You like never just lay in bed and think like, what's the point? And he's like, no, <laughs> It's like, no, why would you do that? I'm like, I can't, I'm not doing it on purpose. It's like, oh my God. I know. I saw this like thing the other day. It was like a new TikTok trend where it's like when your world feels like when you're feeling like an insignificant, or I don't know what it was. It was something about like when something in your world feels like big and like obnoxious. And then it's like, just remember, and it like zooms out on the world and like, you're just a speck. And I was like, fuck yeah. that. I don't want to feel like a speck. That's terrifying what? to think I'm a speck. It's terrifying to be floating in space. I can't have that. That's purposeless. <laughs> I need to know everything has a Absolutely reason. same. Absolutely. Oh I, I don't want it. I don't want to watch even a movie about space if it's fiction. No. Space oh my does God. not exist. Yeah. No, thank you. Same with so the ocean. <laughs> Deep not ocean? Too much. Bottom. No, 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 no. Not my business. I can't even do a lake. Not I can't even do. Business. Now that I've gotten older, like my anxiety is like taking new forms. And I'm like, hey, my anxiety is like the lake. You can't see what's in it. Like it's too murky. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just no. That's nope, just, nope. that's just not unsubscribe. Unsubscribe not from that. Not, 
not for me, not yeah. for me. So to answer your question, sometimes I do it badly. Sometimes I do it uh, more like better than other days. Mm-hmm. I have gotten, I remember having this conversation with my therapist and he was like, you absorb more than I do. Right. He's like, I work with, you know, 16 patients a week and it's an hour at a time. He's like, and I have, you know, like 20 minutes between patients. And, uh, you know, I was trained. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) it's like, so I have some, I have some ways to sort of like protect myself and you don't, and Mm. you are, you know, people can email you or make a, and I think that about that for everyone though, everyone, we're all absorbing so much pain from the outside world constantly. Mm -hmm. And you have to do two things. One, you can only offer other people what you truly have to offer. And for a long time, I didn't know how to do that. And so I did absolutely everything, anything somebody asked of me, right? Like I ended up sort of like the, the, the leader of like a a peer support group for widows. Okay. Not because I was qualified to do it. Not (laughs) because that's what I should have been doing with my time. Yeah. And just because like there were people and then they, yeah. they wanted to say, okay. And then you want it to be this. Okay. You want it to be this, like yeah. gave so like to the point where I was just like a little helpless nub of a person. This uh, is up until 2021. Yeah. Okay. Like this is all very recent to me. And I was like, oh, I can stop doing things. Yeah. Like I can say no to some things Yes. and, and you know, grief, loss, all those things. Those always will be a part of me. But, you know, aside from the podcast, which does have, you know, uh, it, the stories range, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a huge range of stories. They're life mm-hmm. stories. They're not just like sad stories. The point is not just like, oh God, this horrible thing happened, but like, this is what it means. This is what mm. it means to live fully in the face of whatever has happened to you or whatever you are going through. Yeah. Like even your selfie thing this week, I, I shared it in my stories because it was such a beautiful way of like uh, approaching selfies. Like you basically in the video were like, the reason I take so many selfies is because I lost my witness. I lost the person who took the pictures of me. So now I take them for myself. And I was like, that's such a, like, I think a lot of people carry guilt and shame around something as simple as like taking a picture of themselves. And you kind of like put in alignment, like, but also like, if you don't have somebody that's taking those, or even if you just have a husband that's really bad at it, like mine is like, take the damn pictures, the worst pictures of me. I'm like, I, refuse to believe that that's my face. I identify as pretty oh and you are showing me a version of myself that there I was don't this, like. There was a TikTok trend that was like, text your husband and ask him for like the candid photos he's taken of you. And I text Shane and I was like, can you send me any photos that you have of me in your phone? He's like, I don't really have any pictures of anything except for Lemmy, like our daughter. And I'm like, uh, okay, so can you just like, I'm like, oh, okay. And then he sends me a photo and it's literally her on my lap and like half of my face. And he's like, you're kind of in this one. And I was like, fuck thank thank you like this is this is what we have because he that that's not in his brain so you know mm-hmm. what like I can't change that but I can change like I'm gonna take those selfies but I really loved that video because I was like damn it this is like such a sad it's such a bummer that you have that but also that is it's such a powerful message that kind of alleviates for people a lot of guilt and shame they have around how to live fully when they put in the perspective of something like a loss of somebody who was like your witness and now you have to become your own. That's such a powerful thing. And I think that that's what's so neat about, I think you specifically 
and why I maybe have clung to it so much over the years. I don't really have, like I have the loss of my grandma, which is truly like, I still cry probably like twice a week over. And like, that's fair and fine. But like, there is so much to be said for grief that you are allowed to process in real time, no matter how long it's been. And like finding people and stories and like how grief is like intersection, like you said, into like regular everyday stuff. Like, I think we just, like I said, we really want it to be such a singular experience of like, burying someone and it's not Mm -hmm. it's just not it's like grief is like such a huge part of life and unfortunately our society is is like you said bereavement of three to five days and that doesn't matter what you're going through we just have very much a we have an instantaneous type of mentality now we have the attention span of goldfish postpartum to people last six weeks and then they'll never ask you if you're okay again even though it's like literally a year of like actual transition for your body for your mental health like we we really do want to wrap up everything in a pretty little bow and return it to normal quote unquote right and so i think your approach to I think life conversations, if we're going to be honest, grief is a part of that, but like life conversations is really, is really powerful and beautiful. Do you think that you will, like, do you feel like there's going to be a part of you that like comes to a place? I think about this for myself and the things I talk about where I'm like, one day I'm going to be, I'm going to be ready to let this mm-hmm. not go, but like move forward forward from it. Like oh, I've yeah, processed so course. much. Do you have that? Like, and is that kind of, yeah. this is a weird question, but is it also kind yeah. of weird because your business is so structured into it as well? I don't know. So this is, these are, these are great things. This is like, also what I always want to talk to you about. I want like, they're so, I always want to talk to people who work on the internet, who people who make things, people who mm-hmm. tell their own story mm-hmm. about this exact topic. And I also want to, you mentioned, you know, oh, like I didn't, you know, I, my grandma died, but I'm going through a divorce adjacency. That's I yeah. really should have structured that sentence. Yeah, that was like that I'm was not a long divorce. <laughs> I'm not getting divorced, but someone I love is getting a yeah. divorce, and I am struck, dumbstruck every day, mm. every day mm. by the level of loss. Yes constantly loss and a loss and a loss and a loss and a loss. It will be, it feels endless to me. It's like the excavation of more and more and more and more and more things. And I previously to watching a person that I love go through it would have been like, okay, like, you know, congratulations, you're divorced. You didn't want to be, no, it's so big. And I think about that with all the, like, we sort of have this hierarchy of pain, right? And it's like, well, if no one died, who gives a shit <laughs> truly. But like, if they don't die, you have to grieve them in real time and in this earth. And that's oh, something part of like my, breakups yeah, that I, yeah. I, I, I always think about this, like anybody who's in like the dumper to the dumpy syndrome, like dumper is the person who had time to process. And so they made a decision and then the dumper is left with the decision. They're mm-hmm. left with the, with the rubble yep. of like grief without any processing tools, without anybody to walk them through it, without any, even a why sometimes. And they just have to like move on. No, Knowing that person's alive. You can find them on the internet. You can watch everything they're doing. That's terrifying. I'm not saying that that is a bigger grief. I'm just saying it's a lot. Yeah. I it's, it's a lot. And breakups are a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a lot losing, like losing your sense of safety, losing your sense of security, Mm. losing your job. There's so many ways to experience loss, to experience grief in the world. To answer your other question, like, will there be a time where I don't want this to be like the center of my life? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course, of course. I think nothing lasts forever, like I said, and I'm really good with that. And yeah. also, you know, what you mentioned about like, well, you're also like a fun follow. 
I feel like that's always been a part of my, my online career or whatever you yeah. want to talk about it is that I'm never just like, Oh, I just do this. Like one I only thing. do this one thing. Yeah. Cause I just, don't. we can tend to niche people, but people aren't niched. Like, yeah. I think that, yeah. that it's always so funny when people are like, what do you, what is your niche? And I was like, People would say my niche is this. My reality is so much different. I think when we niche ourselves, it really closes off to so much opportunity to be more and to have more and to share more. And I think that that's like, yeah, I I definitely relate to you in the in the form of like understanding your grief because that is like where I found you and maybe where I would niche you. But I don't stay and follow for that. Like I follow because I've learned so much like over years now. Like collective stuff that you know. There's this saying that there's no such thing as an original thought. And like everybody you follow online, everybody who's like an inspiration in your world, they are a collection of what they've collected. You're somebody I'm like, plagiarize the fuck into my brain. Like just copy, no, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But I just genuinely, Um, I genuinely, I'm like, so like, you're just that you're, you're a wealth of life lessons. And I think the way that you, you have figured out translating life lessons is really powerful. And I think it's a gift and I think it transcends so far beyond grief. And I think that that's why you're such a treat to follow. Thank you. Yeah. So I already work on a lot of things that are unrelated to sadness that are unrelated to grief. I wrote, you know, I wrote a, a comedic novel based on the movie, bad moms, uh, in that, that came out in 2020 when really, it was like, no, it, book it was like the worst part of the pandemic <laughs> too. People were like, we don't give a shit. We're only buying sad books. Like, no, <laughs> no, but it was such a, it's such a good book. I just got to take the movie and turn it into a novel and like make oh, up new storylines and like bring depth to the characters. And it was so fun. And my next book is a collection of essays. And I don't know if I, I love essay books. About grief in yeah. any of them. Oh, I don't know if I do. So cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I don't know if I do. And yeah. So I, and I feel like I can't remember if I sent you a copy. I'm so sorry. I don't write things down. And then I'm like, did I, I don't know. I Um, might have a copy. I might have a copy from you. I have taken the summer off reading. It's been such a disaster for you. Also, we have to take, we have to take time off from everything. Yeah. We do. So like, you know, and, and, uh, yes, I've always, I've always had, a lot of things going on Mm -hmm, too. mm -hmm. And some of them are sad and some of them are related to grief and some of them aren't. And that is why even if you came to my Instagram, you would have no idea Mm -hmm. what I do. Yeah. Like what? Cause I'm like, I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know. And that's okay. That's so okay. Yeah. Cause I think, I think I was probably like a whole wave of people who watched a viral video and was like immediate follow, immediate follow. And then here I am like three years later. And I was like, I know know it was, that's, that's what's so funny. It was when we started this. I'm like, I know, I, I know I watched that Ted talk and I know I was like, oh my God, this is the most powerful thing I've ever seen immediate follow, but I don't necessarily remember the parts of it that were so powerful. I just remember that it was like, I remember that it was meaningful to me. And that was like an instant follow for everyone listening. Obviously this conversation has been, you know, intertwining into all the different parts of like grief and joy and, you know, all the aspects of loss and just being a fucking human, to be honest, yeah. you have a lot of different ways that people can kind of tune into all of that, that everything you've done, everything you've done with all the life stuff, where is the best place for people to find you and sort of like, maybe Ooh. just plug yeah. in. What's your, yeah, fa- do you have know. a favorite book like that you've written? Do you have like a baby I, that's I think your favorite? Ne- I do think that my next book is my favorite book and it's called Bad Vibes Only. And it's very, <laughs> it's funny essays about a range of things from like entering early middle age yeah. to realizing that, you know, 
the, the mortality of your own children and yourself oh. and, you know, aging and, and some dark and, humor <laughs> and figuring out, you know, it. figuring out, am I, a, am I a bad feminist for getting Botox or am I just a, a, am I a product in my environment or am I creating my environment? Is it both? And I love this book. I do think all of my work, even the funny stuff will always have a sprinkle of sadness, but I always have kind of like a levity, even to the, mm. the hardest things. But aside from that, my first book is always going to be like my favorite one. Mm. And I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. My website You're is You're on TikTok? Nora. I haven't found you on yeah, TikTok yeah, yeah. yet. Oh, guess damn, what? Girl. I'm just, I'm just out there making whatever weird thing I want to make. I know. TikTok. That's what I love about TikTok. It's a pure love chaos. It. I'm like, you know what? I just post something random and I walk away and three days later, I'm like, oh, wow. That, look at that. I just went, yeah, uh, yeah. sorry. I never <laughs> replied to anybody. I don't actually stay here. I don't I know just how to bounce. Do it. Or I'll make something and be like, that was cool. No, no, it was not cool. Yeah. <laughs> or it's really cool on Instagram and it's not cool on TikTok and vice versa. It's Correct. like, I heard a quote once that was like trying to have the same type of content on different types of platforms is like giving your 80 year old grandma and your eight year old nephew the same birthday card. Like it's not the same. <laughs> You're not communicating the same. Like it's not, it doesn't work, but sometimes it happens. But okay. So are you Nora Borealis still on everything? I am. I okay. am. I'm Nora Borealis. That's not my last name. It is a plan. The Aurora Borealis, which is the Northern Lights. I grew up in Minnesota and uh, people I even went to college with think that's my last name. Oh, wow. So, cool. But I'm some people don't even era. know my name. So it's fine. Some people just call me birds papaya and they don't even know my name is Sarah. So it's fine. Because we it happens. come from the era of the screen name. Okay. I, thank you. I know everyone's uh, like, where did that come from? I'm like the freaking early 2000s is where yes. it came from. Okay. I can't. What do you want me to do about it? And somebody has my handle, so I can't get it. So just everybody yeah. adjust. <laughs> adjust yourselves. <laughs> this is where we are now. I know. Yeah, I've, Remember I've, like, I'm attached to, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to reach I'm going to change my name. Okay. I know. That's like probably like more important to me than my legal name at this <laughs> point. It's so. so funny whenever I, yeah. Cause like the amount of like me, if people don't even realize like how much it's like tied to like people Googling you. Yeah. But like, I also, whenever I tell the story of like my handle, I always have to like explain that to the generation that didn't know. I'm like, the biggest blogs back then were like tater tots and jello and the pioneer yeah. woman who we know is a pioneer woman. Like I didn't know her name for a long time. She was the pioneer yeah. woman. Like we all had like name, we never had our names and now all these new people come in with their like actual names. And I'm like, you know yeah. what? Back in my okay. day, yeah, back in my day, you fingerprints on the fit, fridge, okay. nap times and cookies. Like that was yes. it. That's who we yes. were. And we, so thankfully mine's just weird enough to be able to stick with it. But I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank Thank you for sharing oh, thank in the you. thank you for everything you do. I think it's so powerful, obviously amazing. I'm a big fan. You're one of my top recommendations for people to follow. So obviously I'm happy that you're on the podcast and I can oh, just thanks. shout out to these people as well. So for everyone listening, I'm gonna have everything for you in the show notes, of course. And your podcast is still going as well, right? Yes, we are on summer break while okay. I take ownership of my work. Love I, that. I own it now. Love I it. own it. After six years Good in public for you. media, I own my work. So <gasps> my first Congratulations. episode that is my own is in August. And then we're back to regularly scheduled program. I'm pointing at my calendar that no one can see. September 6th, we'll be back with regular I love stuff. it. I love yep. it. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited for that. And congratulations. And for everyone thank listening, you. we're going to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, 
pink papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, pink papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at pink papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.